So we're we're continuing on with our what we call walking in the word, uh, which is our version of um, me preaching out of what you're reading. We encourage people to read out of the one year Bible or really any reading plan that works for them. Uh, we encourage the one year Bible. So out of their reading plan for the one year Bible, I usually preach out of something when we're in this period of our teaching um, out of something that you're reading. And so this Sunday, specifically, we're going to be in John 15, verses 1 through 11. Um, I'm calling it Vine Life. I didn't, I don't think I thought that up, but it sounded really cool. Um, and so here, here, here's kind of the thing I want to come against. I believe, especially in the U.S., that we have been brainwashed, that we have been indoctrinated with this idea that you can do it. You're like, oh my gosh, what kind of church is this? Um, it'll make sense with, with what text I'm talking out of today. From, but from your school, from your parents, from social media, there's just this kind of idea that, you know, if you set your mind to it, you can do it, um, regardless of what's going on. And so right now you may be struggling with where the heck am I going with this? Because do I want you to be successful? Do I want you to strive to do your best? Yes, I do. But I want you to understand that there's a truth outside of other truths that we're bombarded with all the time that takes precedence over that. So our true truth today um, comes from one place. And that one place is the text the Bible, uh, and that's why specifically we want to read through. We want to be in the practice of being in the Word because the Word becomes our final source of what we should be doing, how we should be living, and what um, we should be doing with our life. And so this morning we're going to wrestle with this idea uh, and see where we land on it based on what the Bible says. And so we're going to jump right into it. Um, so like I said, if you've got your Bibles, turn to uh, John 15, uh, to a text that if you've been in and around a church, you've probably heard it. There's probably even sections of it that as I'm reading it, like old memory verses are going to pop out of your head uh, and you'll start like going with me on this journey of just saying it. And you can say it out loud, you know, then the people near you will know, yeah, they're smart. So let's pray before we get into the word, because... We need prayer. I need prayer. I've already proven that I cannot be trustworthy with my thoughts. Um, so, dear my Father, we just thank you uh, this morning that it is not what I say, it is not what I think, but it's what you think and what you say that matters. So, Lord, we just ask, I ask, that your word would speak clearly, that your word would inspire us to uh, increase our, not only desire, but our willingness to sit, to rest, in you, to abide in you. And so, Lord, as the word speaks, I pray that our heart would be stirred, that our willingness to allow your truth to be our truth, our willingness to let our life be your life. And so, Lord, we just ask that your word would do in us what we are incapable to do ourselves. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Okay, so in verse 1, chapter 15, it says, I am the true vine, and the Father is the vine dresser. And read lots of commentaries this week, kind of getting um, prepared for um, today. And I believe, and a lot of commentaries believe that this, this idea here, saying I am the true vine, is directly wrestling with this idea that, uh, and this isn't a, a, a new kind of, uh, illustration. This is something that all throughout the Bible, uh, they use the, the illustration of the vines. Uh, but I believe it's directly linking itself to um, Israel, which should have been the faithful people of God, should have been the one grafted in, should have been the one faithfully living it out, doing, um, producing fruit, being God's people. Uh, but as we've seen all throughout the Bible, they have failed at that, just like all of us failed at that outside of. And now here's Jesus coming on the scene saying, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. It says every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. OK, let me let me just jump in here and I'm going to I don't typically um, I don't typically go. In you know, like preach specifically from a theological perspective necessarily, because I believe, you know, um, I don't think anybody's 100% right. I think the Bible's 100% right, but theologically, um, we can be a little. But I, I just want to, what I believe, this is what I think and believe, and there's another reference going to be a little bit later on, I think in verse 6, where it talks about this idea about the branches in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So let, let, let me just, from me. I believe that this is specifically talking about those that are connected to the church that aren't part of the church. That these are people that are connected, and I'm going to give you scripture that's going to point this out, um, that I believe that these aren't necessarily, because it, it has this tendency when you're looking at this text to, to go, oh my gosh, can I be cut off of the vine and thrown into the fire? Um, you know, and it, it produces a lot of tension. Well, I believe from my theological perspective, and I believe the Bible teaches this, that these are most likely, and I'm also going to say I could be wrong, most likely those that have been connected, because there was a lot of branches, a lot of connected to Israel that weren't of Israel. And so here's specifically where I'm going to take this, why I'm going to say this. I know this is kind of like an offshoot, but I just, if you're going to preach through a text, you can't just ignore like, oh, just ignore the thrown into the fire part. Um, So John um, in chapter 10, verse 28 says this, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hands. One of the reasons why I believe this is talking about people that are connected to the church, the organization, not necessarily connected to the vine, who is the son that is being pruned by the father. And also, here's another one for you in first John um, chapter two, verse 19. And it's talking about those that were part of the church. It says they went out from us, but they were not of us for if they had been of us they would have been they would have continued with us but they went out that it might become plain that they were not of us i believe and here's here here's partly why i want to say that i feel like the american church church in general is filled with people that aren't and this is why i'm preaching this text today that aren't connected to the vine 
That there, and I spent the first 20 years of my life in the church every Sunday, and this is not, like, I don't want to put unjustly attention in anyone's life. But I do want you to understand that being here on Sunday morning, being connected to church things, isn't what the Bible or isn't what Jesus is asking us to do. He's asking us to be connected to the Son, period. And there are a lot of those, and I'm going to have another text that's going to deal with this later on, um, that I believe that a lot gather, because who doesn't want to be around, you know, when the church is operating as it should, when people are sacrificially laying down their lives, loving other people, serving People want to be around that. They want to be a part of that. And so people are going to come into that that are going to seem like they're part of the body. They're going to seem like they are in. That they're here because they're attending and they're serving. And let me just tell you that there's no guarantee of heaven for you if you volunteer at our church. And I know I jokingly have said a lot when I... I got baptized when I was 16, and then that wasn't a joke. I mean, I literally got sprinkled when I was 16 because I thought I was going to die, and I wanted to go to the good place, not the TV show, heaven. And to do that, in my mind, you had to, you had to do some of these things. And in my mind, that one of those things that you had to get baptized. And so if you were baptized, you could like, you may like, I died. You could be a, you know, I don't know. I'm not pulling, really, I'm just, this is an illustration. I'm like, what's he got in his wallet? Like, I can pull out my baptism card, and they'd be like, yes, come into heaven, because you got baptized. It is our connection to the vine, which is what we're talking about t- today. And the proof of that connection, which we're going to illustrate today, is the fruit that comes from your life. See, every branch that does not bear fruit, and for those that are part of the vine, that are connected, um, this should give you peace when life isn't how you think it should be. It says every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. I know you've not been a a branch, but if you've ever pruned anything, and I'm not trying to attribute feelings to trees, but can you imagine? I mean, I'm I'm sure it's not like pleasant, but like, oh... I don't really need that. Just just cut that off. Like this this pain that's in us for uh, for God to help us be fruitful. He will do what is necessary to prune from our lives things that are sucking the life out of us. And sometimes sometimes that's painful things. That's things that we don't want to go away. But God's going, I have to get this thing out of your life for you to be fruitful. And so sometimes, you know, it's the joy of understanding what's going on in these scenarios that God is doing this thing. It seems painful in the moment. And James 1, Romans 5, there's lots of illustrations. They're not illustrations. There's lots of texts that talk about the reality that we don't become whole or complete without pain and suffering. So if you've not figured out I don't believe if you say yes to Jesus that your life is going to be perfect, pain-free. Your bank account is going to be high. I, I believe that if you are a child of God seeking to follow him, God is going to do everything in his power to get the most glory from your life. And that includes pruning. <clears throat> no branch 
that is genuinely united with Christ, drawing nourishment from Him, can be wholly fruitless. And let me, let me just tell you, because I think sometimes when we start talking about fruit, especially if you're in a season of not producing fruit, that you feel like, maybe, maybe, I'm, not a re- maybe I'm not a branch. Maybe I'm not a branch connected to the vine. Let me just tell you, um, for those that have... Um, <clears throat> Fruit-bearing trees or all this other stuff. Like I'm talking well out of my realm here, as you can tell. Um, there are seasons where it produces fruit that it should be producing fruit, and then there's seasons that it's not. So let me just tell you that we look at our lives in these seasons. As long as there are seasons of fruitfulness that you're seeing, don't worry about the seasons that there is not because there will be seasons where you're not producing fruit. The danger is is that if you've never seen in your life fruit being produced. Like we can't, you know, cuz literally when they planted these trees, they understood that it would take seasons, 3 years for some of them before it produced its first fruit. But at some point, it should be producing the fruit. I love this. So, so here, here's the pruning part in verse 3. It says, already, it's talking to those connected. Already, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Romans 8 talks about that too, the, the, the washing of the word. See, what, what God has done for us as his Children, as those that are connect, as the branches that are connected to the vine, he's already made us clean. And I love that he includes that right after he talks about that. Well, even though you're clean, I'm going to prune you. There's going to be pruning. He's almost like encouraging them in that. In verse five, in verse, sorry, verse four. So four to ten, there is this word abide. So one of those words that we don't really use a whole lot in our Everyday language. I mean, if you do, that's cool. Let me know how you do that. But abide is used ten times in the next um, verses 6 through 10. And the definition, if you just look up abide, abide is to accept or act in accordance with. And abide, the Greek word is meno, which means to remain or stay or continue. So in verse 4 it says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Think about it. I mean, if you've ever gone out to like a grapevine and you've looked at it, if you remove like, oh, here's this great branch that has this nice um, cluster of grapes on, if you cut that and then take it to your house and you eat the grapes that were already produced because it was connected to the vine, you take that to your house and you don't plant anything or else, I'm not talking about grafting it somewhere else or all this other stuff, but if you just take it to your house and you put it in your bedroom and you, you mount it on your wall, you cannot expect that later on it will produce more grapes for you. Because once you remove it from the place where the sap, where the life comes from, it will have no Use. And so what he's going to talk about in this next few verses is this, this idea of connection, dependence, and remaining. If you're connected 
to it. I mean, there literally, there's no fruit, there's no life for us if we're unless we're connected, unless we are with the Father, connected to the Father by our belief in what Jesus has done for us. And then we have to stay in this place of being dependent. It's not like, because I think sometimes in the church it's like, get saved, say you're saved, let's have a celebration for you, and then once you've done this thing, which I don't agree with. Once you've done this thing, then you're good. You just like you have this moment in your life. You get a little card that you carry with you. So if you go to heaven, you can get in. And then the rest of your life, you just go, well, yes, I'm saved. And you point at this event instead of the reality that I'm connected to the Father. I'm remaining dependent in the Father. Necessary. Like understanding day in, day out. And Hopefully, the more we read the Bible, the more we look at it, the more we realize that we need that connection. We need a dependence on the life that comes from that. And then we have to remain. John Piper says it this way, talking about abiding. He says, abiding is believing, trusting, savoring, resting, and receiving. Verse 5. And this is... A verse I had memorized, like I think in the first year I got saved. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There is no other way for life, for us as believers to have life, other than this. If, if we're not. Because he, he's literally saying this. And I'm not talking about. Like we can, we can pretend fruit. You ever been into a, like a house. That has this beautiful like basket of fruit. On their table. And it looks like real. Like legit. Until you pick it up. And it's hollow. I mean some of us. It's even the, even the like feel texture. Weight of it. And, I mean I've never bitten into plastic fruit. But it could happen. Some of us. As those who pretend can look and walk around with this great bouquet of fruit and be like, look how great I'm doing. Look at this. Oh, no, no, no. You can't have any of it because if you pick it up, you'll realize it's plastic. And we do that with our life and our serving because we, we're, 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 we're trying to present ourselves as one that is connected without that connection. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There is no other way. There is no other way for you to bear fruit. There is no other way for you to be a child of God other than this abiding. This is Christianity. If if, if there is not abiding, there is not life in Christ apart from me. You can do nothing. In verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into fire and burned. Now, I believe this is mostly making reference to the end times. There will be a separation uh, between those that are and those that aren't. In giving reference to those, I'm not going to go over that again. But at the judgment, they'll be thrown. That many branches uh, will be surprised. Will be surprised where they're thrown. Look, look at this. 
Anna, don't be mad because I'm literally going to read it after I told you that wasn't. Uh, Matthew 21. Uh, or Matthew 21, verses 21. Uh, it says, not everyone who says to me, and this is a larger context here, but this is basically Jesus having a conversation uh, with people about their end. This is crazy. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. And that, you know, that, that's, we're like, do you say Lord, Lord? No, that's a declaration, like Lord, Lord. And anytime it's repeated twice, especially in the context of the Bible, it, it, it increases the importance. We'll enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. On, uh, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And cast demons out in your name and do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare them, this is Jesus, saying to those who just said, hey, we did these awesome things. We did these things for you that in most of our eyes we would look and go, yes, these are like amazing connected branches to the vine. And these are Jesus' word. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Like, my fear is, as a pastor, is that we would uh, be so close to the things of God and, and be so connected, and I'm, I'm using that word loosely, to or, or seemingly connected to the things of God, that we fake our way through it. And then we experience this. I think this would be the most devastating thing. I mean, not only being separated for eternity from God the Father, but literally in that moment, believing there's a reunion coming from my Lord and Savior, and to hear your Lord and Savior saying, I don't know who you are. Verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Okay, here's context. A lot of people. Verse 7, that's all you, you remember. You'd be like, okay, if I abide in you, and they loosely don't know really what that means. If I abide in you, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. God is not your own personal genie, that if you, you, you master the equation of verse 7, that you can rub on the lamp, and now Will Smith will come out, for those that have seen the new Aladdin and will give you your three wishes. This isn't mastering this one thing, so then he'll do whatever you wish. This is, and let me, let me just take this back, if you abide in me, if you're connected to the Father, abiding, having that life force come in and out from the, uh, the vine to the branch, which you are, and you're having fruit out of your life, and you're letting the word abide in you, not meaning like I just have a reading plan that I listen to every day, but I literally letting the word abide, remain, rest in me. Then whatever you wish, if those two things are happening, are going to be connected to the heart of God. Period. And the reason why they'll be done for you is because you're abiding in the Father, not only in His presence, but you're abiding in His words and His the, the presence and the Word are doing such a work in you that what you wish for is the heart of God. It's not like, hey, God, I want a new house. Like, I'm abide. I read my Bible every day and I abide for five and a half minutes on the way to work, cut off the radio and 
Don't close my eyes because that'd be dangerous because you're driving. And you think, well, why isn't God doing what I want? Honestly, most of the time God's not answering your prayers because you're not praying his heart. You're praying your heart. And we've proven over and over again, me included, just like prime example. I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, that would be funny. It's not funny. Here's this little thing. We understand, including me, that our hearts are inwardly wicked, that they're just dumb things in us at all times. And the more we abide, the more we connect to the Word, the more we work and um, measure ourselves in who God is. Like we literally are getting connected. Verse 8, it says, by this, and here, here's really the point of all these things. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Prove to be my disciples. And out of all of this abiding, God is being glorified, not you. The point of abiding isn't so that we, as other believers, look at you and and honor you and go, man, look how awesome they are. The point of you abiding in Christ and bearing much fruit is not for you. It's to give glory to God. It is to His glory. Because you know why it's His glory? Because in our nature, we don't have the capacity, which we just saw, that if we're not connected to the vine, you know, there, if, if, if the fruit doesn't come from Him, there will be no fruit. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. So when there is fruit, He gets glorified because it's Him working in us. That fruit wouldn't be there unless we were connected, getting the nutrients, getting the, the life force from the vine. We're just the branch that it works through us, and God gets glory for that. And I just want to make this statement here, just in case. I think sometimes you, re- you hear things like this, and you think, okay, then I've got to do these things so that I can get saved, so I can be a disciple of God. Let me just clarify that. Abiding in Jesus doesn't make us disciples. It proves that we are. Abiding in Jesus, the fruit that comes from that abiding doesn't make us disciples. It proves that we are like the the work that we do in the fruit that he's talking about. The work that we do here doesn't make us the disciple. It proves that we are a disciple, which is very important, because if not, we will be striving to earn our love from the Father. We'll be striving to do these good things so that we can be glorified. We wouldn't say that, but we glorify ourselves because God will now love me because of all these great things that I have now done. Verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. I literally wrote, this is a great reason for abiding. For connecting, being connected to the vine. Don't skim that. I mean, think about this. As the Father loved the Son. Can you imagine what that love looks like? As the Father loves the Son. That, that's the, the reference. So have I loved you. As the Father loved the Son, the Son is going to love 
For those that abide in him, that love. Can you imagine the same love that the father showed the son continually pleased with him, happy about him, like literally entering into ministry before he had done anything? God, the father spoke over the son. I am well pleased. I mean, he's well pleased with his children, us. Not because of what we've done, but he's well pleased with us because of what his son has done. And that love that the father showed the son, the son now loves us. And he's saying, abide. Because of that, abide. Stay connected to me. Because in that connection, you get the same love that I got from the father. Verse 10. Says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I kept my father's commandments and abided in his love. I think sometimes, literally, we, we could be thinking like, what, what, like his commandments, like, oh my gosh, like we fail all the time. Let me, let me try to make some sense of this. Method of perseverance. Uh, Romans eight four. It says, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. The power for us to obey the commandments of the father are in our abiding. In our connection, because he's saying, hey, like in Paul said in Romans eight, that not those who walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit one even better, Ezekiel thirty six, twenty six. And he's talking about this, his people that have, that have wandered away. And he, Ezekiel is giving this prophetic word about this return of the people of God to God the Father. And in verse 26 it says, And I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Who did the work? God the Father removes our heart of stone, puts a heart of flesh in there. Verse 27, it says, And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. There's another reference in Ezekiel, almost the same type of thing of removing the heart of stone, putting a heart of flesh. God does the work. He removes the heart of stone. And I believe this is what regeneration is in us as we Surrender our life to God. God removes our heart of stone. He puts a heart of flesh in there. And he puts a spirit in us so that we can obey his commands. The danger is, is, is like what we've learned from the beginning, is that we can do it. We, tr- we take that into our Christianity. We, we take that into our Christianity, that we do everything in our power to make ourselves, to present ourselves to God in holiness. That we do all these things in our own power. And the danger of that, living in that place, is that we don't have the capacity. You don't have the capacity to be good enough for God. And this abiding, what he's talking about here is, is because you don't, I want to connect you to the source that's going to give you this life. So that you can produce the fruit. Because the fruit doesn't come from you. It comes from the source. Just like our obedience to the statutes come from what God does in and through our heart and out of that heart. 
And I think the song, I hate trying to remember words of song, but from the inside out, like that, that's what Jesus is doing. Religion tells you to be better, to, to do more things, to work on the outside and, and your inside will be different. Christianity says, I need to change what's on the inside of you because if I don't change the inside of you, the outside will never catch up. Verse 11, it says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. Anybody need some joy? Don't raise your hand. Remember, there's our rule for if you're new here. I sometimes ask you to raise your hand. It's a given rule that we never do that because it can get you in trouble. That my joy may be in you. I, I, like, I don't know about you, but there's lots of times that I would just love to have the joy that lives in Jesus come in me. In the middle of our life, in the middle of things that are going on. And listen, it says, in these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. He's not telling you these things to hinder you. He's not telling you these things that, oh, you can, and, and, and so you've got to be connected. He's telling you these things. He's telling you to abide so that the joy that he has would be in you. And that your joy may be full. Let me just tell you if, you, if you hear nothing else, if you want the fullness of joy, if you want the, what God brings in and for you, there is no other way. Your attendance, upping your attendance, like going from one Sunday a month to four Sundays a month, isn't going to give you more joy. Now, I want you here four Sundays a month, okay? I'm not telling you not to come to church. Increasing what you put in that little beautiful toolbox in the back is not going to increase your joy. Increasing the amount of service hours that you give to the church is not going to increase your joy. Now, it could be outlets of what God's doing in and through you, but what's going to increase your joy is abiding, staying, remaining connected to the Father who wants you to produce fruit. I think sometimes we think, like, God doesn't want anything good for me. No, I truly believe that we eliminate in ourselves all the good that God wants to give us because we're trying to do it ourselves in our own power, in our own strength, instead of surrendering, being connected to the Father and on repetition, declaring your need and dependence on Him day in, day out. So I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. And I have a few questions, and then we're going to worship a little bit more together and hopefully struggle. And I don't mean that in a bad way. But I think I want to produce tension in our life so that we are moving towards that direction of clarifying this reality. And here's the first question for you. You don't answer this out loud. Are you connected to the vine life? Is that your life? Is this, is this you? If this is you, awesome. If it's not you, why is it not you? What's keeping you from really surrendering and connecting to the source of life, to the source of joy in its fullness? And here, here's another, just to clarify, are you connected to the vine life? If your answer is yes, here's the next question that you must answer. Is there fruit to prove it? 
Because just saying, yes, I'm connected, it's like saying, yes, I'm saved. Now, I think there should be, we should be able to declare those things, that I am a child of God. But we also should be looking in our life that this is the proof, not what earned that salvation, but this is the proof of what God's doing. It. This is the fruit that he's producing. So if not, ask the Father who gives good gifts to supply you with the heart of flesh so that you can abide, believe, trust, savor, rest, and receive in His love and obey His commands. But God didn't want you to do this by yourself. We don't want you to do this by yourself. We're, we're not, I'm not presenting you with this information so that you leave here and be like, oh, I'm depressed now because I don't see any fruit in my life. I'm presenting these things with you so that it, it pushes you to go, God, I need, I need you. I, I want a desperate desire for you. And I've communicated it to you in a group of people so that in this group of people, we can be surrounded by others that can help us move in a direction that is continued to be abiding in Christ. Because let me just tell you, left to ourself, it's very easy to lose that fruitfulness. Very easy to neglect our abiding in the truth, in our Savior. But when we surround ourselves by other people that are going, oh, I need it. I'm as desperate as you are. I'm going to pray for you. There's just something that happens when we surrender ourselves, when we allow ourselves into the lives of other people and go, I need help. I need encouragement. You just don't understand what even a verse that you send somebody or texting someone just say i want you to know i had somebody at well not from our church outside of our church um at like 1 30 in the morning was like hey i'm praying for you i'm like i didn't get it until the next morning of course because i was asleep uh but like i'm grateful that someone at 1 30 in the morning for whatever reason was either working late or couldn't sleep and they took the time to say hey, i want you to know that i'm praying for you like there, there's a life that comes from that. And I, I want us as a church to be pursuing this abiding life. And it's work. Because the more fruitful that we want to become means the more pruning God has to do in us. So we're going to pray. We're going to go into our last song. And the reason why we put a song at the end is so that we can wrestle with what's going on. That's right. To wrestle internally with, am I connected? And if I'm not connected, I, I want to be connected and have a conversation in that. And we're, we're going to have people up front that will be here for prayer. If you need prayer um, during our time of worship, there will be people up front for that. Uh, I encourage you, don't, don't wrestle alone. Let's pray. Uh, Dearly Father, we just are grateful right now. That you provided us your heart in this book. You've provided who you are. Your words speaking to us as your disciples. And this morning as we read and, uh, and talked through what it means to abide in you. Lord, we want that life. I want that life. Lord. I want to see the fruitfulness in myself. And Lord, we acknowledge right now that outside of you, there is no fruitful. Outside of you, there is no joy. Outside of you, there is no purpose in this 
world. You've created us to be connected to the Father. You've offered us through your word today the same love that you showered on the Son. The Son is going to shower on us who abide in Him. And Lord, I pray that our heart would desire you more than anything. That our heart would be all about intentionally remaining connected to you, dependent on you. And so, Lord, as we worship, I pray that you would help us wrestle with you, that you would help us clarify who we are in you. And, Lord, if there's those in this room that need a heart transplant, Lord, I pray that they would be literally a desire in them just to ask, Lord, I want that in me. I want you to change my heart. Because if you don't change your heart, Lord, we have no capacity to be your children. So do in us what we cannot do for ourselves and change our life so that you can be glorified in and through a surrendered life. So, Lord, we just pray these things in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.